You are listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. In a new year, I want to take a, a kind of an organizational moment with you and uh, share some news for you. Um, you know, I come in uh, to work, I, I try to live my life with this idea that I'm motivated to make this place the most effective it can be. I mean, what we're doing, the kingdom, is the greatest thing in the world. And it should be the most effective missional thing in the world. And um, I, I live with this mantra, like, we can't afford to underperform. We just can't afford to underperform. Like, uh, maybe you've been in those kind of work environments, right? Like, we're underperforming. And, uh, well, this is one that I just, I, I can't underperform. Like, this is too important. It's too valuable. And, and I also realize that, that oftentimes in organizations, good becomes the greatest enemy of great. You ever have that in your own life? Well, it's good enough. And so good enough becomes good enough. And yet in the kingdom, good enough, the, the work of Christ that we've celebrated today, we've sung about, we've remembered, um, it, it calls for the greatest efforts. It, it, good cannot be the enemy of great. Great has to be what we're, we're going for. And, and my idea of that is, my understanding through 20 years now is the best way to serve an organization like this and to see us go forward is to put together the best team possible. This is a team effort. It, it, gone are the days where, you know, it was a, a pastor and, 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 like, it's well beyond that. It's a good team that needs to be in place. And so that's why I'm excited to, to share with you and introduce to you a new member of our pastoral team. Um, you have that person that you, you love working with, and you're like, man, I could work with them the rest of my life. Well, I had that uh, when I was in Napoleon, all right? Brought a guy on staff that was, um, I mean, just uh, the Lord had done crazy things in his life. He had been going to school to be an engineer, got an engineering degree, finished his engineering degree from University of Toledo, became an engineer for a year. A year into that, God calls him to ministry. It's like, really? Thanks, Lord, for letting me know. And um, he uh, gets his degree. We bring him on staff. And, man, I just, uh, I just, he was an unbelievable teammate. Um, I leave. And, you know, you always have that thought like, yeah, I'd love to. But I poured everything I had into Napoleon. Uh, I'm not interested in taking people from Napoleon, right? Like, that's not the way it should work. Um, like, I want that place to only flourish and only go. So just moved on, kept going. Um, about November Justin and I talk a lot, and he's like, man, I just feel like, I'm, I feel like I'm supposed to be done at Napoleon. And I said, really? Well, let's have a new conversation. And so we began to talk, and, and I want to share with you today that in February, we're bringing on Justin and Emily Braun to our team, and I'm frozen up here, so help me out. To uh, join our team, he's an, he'll be an associate pastor. Um, God's remarkably gifted him to to preach and to teach. Um, he'll be helping in discipleship efforts, pastoral care. Just um, man, this is a huge win for for us. Um, the only problem is, is I I do not believe I can drive into Henry County anymore. I think I probably will get shot. 
Um, so I got to keep it south of the border from Henry County. But Justin and Emily are joining our team. Um, in fact, next week they'll be here. You'll get to be able to meet them. February, they'll start. February 18th will be his first Sunday. And um, Wes Hurls will be starting uh, two weeks from today as our worship pastor. And so I just want you to know what's going on. And I want you to know that uh, I am truly motivated by um, helping us be great. Be great. Um, and to put everything on the line that we can and have been resourced to, to be the most effective kingdom organization that we can be. Can we pray for a moment, Father? I just ask that as we continue to lean into this season, this chapter, um, Lord, thank you for speaking into people's hearts and lives and bringing us together and uh, kind of filling out uh, pieces of a puzzle, Lord, that I believe is, is, is moving this church uh, to be maximally effective for your kingdom. There are way too many people that don't know you that desperately need to hear the news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, the best way we can do that is to build a team that serves the body in effective ways. And Lord, strengthens and empowers us to do the work of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Lord, even now I pray for Justin and Emily as they are preparing their hearts to join us. We pray for Wes and Bethany. And Lord, we just uh, we lean into, we anticipate what you're doing, what you're bringing together, and how you're working in incredible ways. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's a few. So... Um, you ever ask you, you ever had that moment in your life when you experience something, maybe for the first time, and, and you, you begin to ask yourself this question, where has this been all my life? You ever done that? Like, uh, for me, uh, like, I think a lot of times it's food, right? You have food for the first time. Like sushi for me. Like, um, I had sushi for the first time like five years ago, and I'm like, where has this been all my life? Right? How many of you feel like that with sushi? There's a few of you. Most of you are like, oh my goodness. But like, you're like that moment. Like you have a certain food for the first time. You're like, where has this been? Right? Um, maybe, it's a, maybe it's a game, a sport, a, a vehicle, or a, an amenity, a comfort thing. You're like, my goodness, I have lived this long and I've missed out on this. Where has this been all my life? I had this happen to me about six years ago in a, a very meaningful way. Um, I feel like growing up, I was well-traveled. I'd been to a lot of places. Um, I had my fair share of experiences. But I realized six years ago in this where, have I, where has this been all my life moment that I had too often blown right by this particular thing I started to experience. Um, it's kind of like this. Let me just use an illustration. Like, it was like uh, our honeymoon. Nicole and I got married 20 years ago and, uh, in October, and we went to Maine, Bar Harbor, Maine, for our honeymoon. We just thought it would be a good idea. Like, we had never been to Maine. Kind of wish I could have a redo. No. Um, Jamaica sounds a lot better. You guys awake today? Like, first service is blowing you out of the water right now. Like, they were awake and chippy, and like, you guys are like, just smile at me. All right. But like, I'm like, uh, 
We go to Bar Harbor, and it was great. I, I'm kidding about that. I mean, it was, it was a wonderful time. Did all the things, you know, the quaint town and all the cool things with that, the, the authentic restaurants, the lobster and the seafood, and we did the whale-watching stuff. And, you know, and, the, and what we were doing, we thought, well, this last day we had seen this, this thing that was in the area. It's called Acadia National Park. And we thought, we'll just do that on the last day. We'll fulfill a day with that. You know what happened, right? We get there, and by 9 o'clock in the morning, we look at each other, and we're like, where has this been all week? Like, this should have been our first thing, not our last thing, right? I feel like that's, that's kind of then been my life. I, uh, um, these glorious places were honestly, for the longest time, just exits I drove by and were signs that I seemingly ignored, I feel like, honestly, that the first 40 years of my life, I was captivated more often by what man had created, and I had missed so much of what God had created. And, and, you know, a number of years ago, five or six years ago, Nicole and I began to think about sharing activities together. And one of those things was, was hiking, and it began to open up a whole world to me. That it's like, where has this been all my life? And I couldn't believe for the first 40 years of my life that I, I just wasn't in tune to what existed all around me. I, uh, I don't know if it's going to work, so Joni might have to run through it. But um, it began to, to look like places like this, Rocky Mountain National Park. It's a place we love to go. Um, that's um, Colorado Springs. Um, that's Zion. We were just in Zion in October, Zion National Park. There's part of Zion, the Narrows. Um, it's places like uh, Bryce Canyon. Um, these are all pictures from our phone as we're hiking. Um, there's also uh, the, the last place. Is that the last place? It is the last place. It's just like, where have you been all my life? My premise today as we launch a new series of Philippians chapter 3 is that I have experienced at some point and I've observed far too often that God has designed our lives to be in vibrant relationship with him. That he has designed us to live on a journey with him. The scriptures use this word walk, to walk with God. And so, and far too often, we don't lean into all that means or we fail to recognize the power of that or maybe we just miss it altogether. It's like an exit ramp that we just blow by or a sign we ignore. That actually the, the, the primary purpose of our existence on this earth is to walk in relationship with God. It's the ultimate when you begin to experience it where has this been all my life moment? When you begin to walk with God. You ever had your phone or computer freeze up? Um, it happens uh, to us all. And most of the time it's because we are, a lot of times we're sending out too many commands, aren't we? We're like to open in too many apps. We have too many pages opened up on our browser and, and it just locks up after a while. We're trying to spend too many things. And the thing that you have to do is you have to turn it off. You have to turn it off so that it can reset. And once you reset it, things begin to move back into uh, the way they're supposed to. And I think oftentimes that our lives are like that. We have so many things going on, and we have um, 
so many apps open so often and we're trying to push so many buttons so hard that a lot of times we just begin to spin and we need a reset. And for six weeks, I want to just talk about what it means to journey with God, to walk with God, to understand that you were designed and created to be in a vibrant relationship with God. It's not something that your grandma figured out and your uncle or a few people, those godly people in your life, and there's just always just, just a few of them and somehow they figured it out. No, every person that's in this room today was created and wired to know what it is to, to experience a walk with God. And so I want to just take six weeks to maybe reset for us that this is the primary reality of our life. Maybe I'm talking to people here today that you got this, you're on that, you've been on it. And maybe as we talk through that, there's something that will just strengthen you and will we'll help you. Maybe others, it's been hit and miss, it's wobbled. Uh, you, you just always, and maybe as we look at the scriptures, Philippians chapter 3, something will unlock in your heart and mind, and you realize, okay, if I want to stay on this journey with Christ, walk with Christ, not always jumping off the trail, so to speak, and taking a break, but on this consistent journey with him, these are the things that need to happen in my life. Or maybe I'm talking to people today that just to be if you were to be honest and frank with me, you don't even entertain this idea. It's never really been on your radar. You've never really thought that it was possible or you've never, you know, you just, it's not what you've, what you've thought about. And I want to give us a chance to reset as a church to recognize that this is, this is why we exist, to live on journey with Christ to walk with God. We make a lot of resolutions, don't we? I feel like my resolutions look a little bit like this. My resolution for 24 is to accomplish the goals I set in 23 that I should have done in 22 that I planned in 21. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I'm terrible at this stuff. But Paul, the Apostle Paul, God called out to write a lot of his words down to guide our lives. He shares uh, how he figured this out, how God had helped him to understand how to walk with God, what is necessary to stay on journey with Christ. And I want to use that as a blueprint for our own lives over these six weeks. I want to take three verses and six phrases and take a phrase each week to just kind of allow this to help us understand I was created to walk with God, and this is how it happens. This is how I can stay on that journey with Christ. Read these words, as I, or listen to these words as I read them. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I've already attained all of this, or I've already arrived at my goal. Paul has written for 11 verses already, pretty, uh, pretty extensively about the fact that Paul had figured out life in so many ways. He had mastered what it is to accomplish things. He was, um, he was a PhD in life. He knew what it was to master religion. He knew how to move up the, 
ladder of his profession. He knew how to to live in such a way that he had earned everything that was possible for him to earn in that life. Um, And he's, he's written that if you want to understand my life and my walk with Christ, that for the first part of my life, I was the most disciplined. I used my intellect. I figured out how to play the game, so to speak, to, to follow the rules, to maximize everything. And I realized that I was still empty and I was lost and I was unfulfilled. And he said, as much as I put into all that, I still was, was lost. And then everything changed for me when, I, when the Lord appeared to me and we Remember his testimony on the road to Damascus. He is converted and changed. Well, in that change, then for the next three or five, seven years, he begins to experience God in incredible ways. In fact, he testifies in other places that he had received such revelations from God that God allowed a thorn in his flesh to help keep him humble. Because he had seen so much of great things about God that in the human part of him, it would have been easy to boast or to take a superior attitude. And, and so that's in Corinthians, like he realized that the Lord allowed him to have this thorn in the flesh that afflicted him and that he had to carry because it was a way for God to keep him grounded for everything that he had seen and received from the Lord. And yet he says, listen, I figured it out on my own. Then I had this unbelievable experience with God. And yet the secret to understanding how to walk with God is this mindset. To realize that the walk with God is always about today. It's present. It doesn't matter what's happened in the past. That God is always interested in an ongoing present relationship with with you. He said, it doesn't matter what I attained or what I experienced. What matters is today. We can relate to that if you're married, right? Like, um, man, there's, there can be great memories, great wedding day, great honeymoon, great years of marriage. And, and if you just sit back and say, that was great, and you are not present with your companion now, marriage is not fun, is it? It, it, you can't live on, it, it's, it's not what has happened, it's what's going on today. And Paul is reminding us that on this journey, it's always about a consistent, present walk with God. Every day, every moment, we have this opportunity to live in his presence and with him. He says, not that I've already attained or have arrived, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting those things, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is a picture of Paul's journey or walk with God. This is how Paul continued to live in vibrant relationship with God. This is how you figure out what it is to walk with the Lord. 
And so we just want a kind of a reset series, kind of a, okay, this is how it was created, this is what it's, what it's supposed to happen, and this is Paul figuring out what it looks like and then writing for us what it looks like. It's these six phrases, one thing I do. It's this phrase of forgetting what is behind. It's this phrase of straining toward what is ahead. It's this phrase of not that I've already arrived or attained. It's this phrase of I press on. It's this phrase of to win the prize. And in these six phrases, we begin to understand how we can continue to have a consistent, vibrant walk with God. So I want to introduce a word to you right now, and it's a word that all of us love. It is the word regret. Regret. I mean, just even saying the word, it's depressing coming off the tongue, is it not? Let's try it. Say it with me. Regret. Doesn't that feel good? Say it again. Regret. Happy New Year. Right? We're ready. Regret. We're all too familiar with this word. I know what it means to feel regret. I've looked into the eyes of regret this week, in fact. I've seen the power of regret in people's lives. So I've spent time this week talking about regret, or thinking about regret, studying regret, going to places where I understand the psychology, the mindset of regret. What is this that we feel, that we experience You know, what's amazing is what I read from exhaustive studies, scientific studies, is what I have experienced in my own life and and I see all the time in other people's lives. It's this, that about a quarter of the time, 25% of the time, we experience regret for choices that we've made or didn't make. You know that? Like, about a quarter of the time, you're like, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. 75% of the time, can you guess what we regret? Things that we did not do. I mean, I've seen this all the time. I stand in funeral parlors and listen to people's stories. And all the time, Regret is always primarily, mostly primary, three-fourths of the time. It's about what I didn't do. 25% is I made a mistake. They say in the short term that that mistake, it causes this initial regret, but as we get away longer even from our mistakes, that the biggest part of our regret is always I didn't step out. I didn't try. I gave up too early. I didn't believe. That's where regret is primarily in our life. They talk about this in in psychology that in relation to regret, there is an understanding or a, a domain that make up the perceptions of self. There is the actual self, who you are, um, is there's the ought self, 
uh, who you think you, what you think you should do based on your ob- obligations and responsibilities. And then there is the ideal self. That ideal self is who you could be or who you might dream of being. And regret it's all tied into our perception of ourself. I would say that probably a lot of us live in that ought self, right? Um, I ought to be this person because of the responsibilities that I have. I ought to go to work today because I have to pay the bills, right? Like, and what so happens so often is the ideal self is where we, we feel regret, long-term regret. I thought I would become this person. I thought I would do this thing. I thought this would happen in my life. And then we look at our actual self. We're living in our ought self and our ideal self. There's a gap so often and we just live with regret. One thing that they'll talk about, which I thought was amazing because science is always proving scripture, uh, always, um, that, uh, you know, the way to navigate through the regret that you have from the actual self to the ideal self that you, you deal with is in three words. It's understand. Understand your choices. So often, um, we have made choices that we didn't have enough information. We didn't know what we didn't know. Or we were hurried and we made decisions, and, and so often the regrets that we have, the people that we, uh, that we are and who we want to be, uh, there was just a, a sense in, in psychology that an important way to move past regret, because regret will actually strangle your life. It'll strangle your energy. It'll strangle your motivation. It'll cause you just to live uh, existing and surviving. Part of that is to give yourself grace and understand your choices. I thought, well, wow, that fits. Like the scriptures are full of this idea of a God who graciously forgives, right? Who, okay, you did this. It's okay. The, other thing, the next thing is like it's reframe. Begin to reframe your expectations, your ideal self. I wanted to be an astronaut, but now I work at a gas station. I shouldn't say that because somebody, never mind, I just stepped in it, sorry. Whatever job is whatever job, it's great, right? But if you wanted to be an astronaut and you're working in a gas station, probably there's some regret. Amen? Oh my goodness, I better just shut it down. I think I'm just talking to myself today. And the way to understand is where you're at in your life now, there can be absolute meaning and fulfillment and purpose if you'll, the third thing, choose. Choose where you're at right now to begin to reframe what the rest of your life can look like. And my thing to you today is Paul has this phrase talking about the journey and he says it this way this one thing I do the one thing you can't do is miss the journey that's the one thing 
If we're going to talk about the journey for these six weeks, it's obvious that in this intentional phrase Paul does, it's like, listen, there's a lot going on and I could do a lot of other things, but there is one thing that I must do. I can't miss the journey. I can't miss the walk with God. And as I thought about this this week, I was like, that is so appropriate for us to hear that when we talk about the journey, first of all, there's a lot of people that are just missing the journey, that they don't realize that the plan and purposes of God is to come into our life and walk with us in vibrant, healthy relationships. And we're just missing it. We're driving past the exit ramp. We're ignoring the signs so often. We don't think it's for us or it's possible in our life. And Paul's saying, listen, if you want your life to be lived out how it was designed, this is the one thing you must do. You must not miss the journey. But I want to go back in this chapter 3 and remind you of why this is important for us to hear He says in verse 8, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. All of those things I accomplished by myself, all of those things I accomplished even as an apostle of Jesus Christ, I've realized that all of it doesn't matter if I'm not presently knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I consider everything that's went behind me and I've accomplished and I've experienced, they're really garbage in a sense that I have to continue to gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of Christ. The one thing you must know is this, I want to know Christ, to know the power of his resurrection, and and participate in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. One thing, don't miss the journey. Don't miss the journey. Paul would say it this way in another place. I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God that brings salvation. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The gospel is the power of God. Power is the ability to do or to accomplish Every one of us is seeking that kind of power, the secret of adequacy, the ability to be and do what you would like to be and do, the ability to cope with life and to handle whatever life throws at you. In fact, the most fundamental, urgent cry of the human heart anywhere is to find the secret of the the secret of power to act correctly and effectively and to handle life adequately. And Paul says that the gospel is the power of God in our life. But he says this, it is the power of God that is 
It's the gospel that brings righteousness into our life. Righteousness then becomes this power to do this, but righteousness becomes the freedom to do this. It means that the individual has the internal problems released in his life. He's no longer hung up with inhibitions, limitations, and barriers. He's no longer defeated by those things that draw him away from his original design and purpose. He is no longer under the burden of guilt, nor defeated by self-will, self-loathing, shame, guilt. Um, He is free to be and to accomplish what God wants. This is what the gospel is. It's the power of God and the righteousness of God. And it's by faith. And I bring all that up to say this. If Paul's describing his journey with Christ to help us understand our journey with Christ, our walk with Christ, and he's reminding us, listen, one thing you got to do is you can't miss the journey. Like, you got to believe this is what God wants to do and you got to be all in on it. But this journey is walked out by faith. The just live by faith. Why that matters is if I'm talking to you today and you've been walking with the Lord for years, I would remind you that it's the walk of faith that brings power and righteousness into your life that will continue to sustain you to finish strong. Maybe I'm talking to you today and it's been hit or miss. Stop and start. If, if, if your life was a movie that we were watching right now, your life, your walk with Christ, you would be like, uh, don't look at that, guys. I don't really spend much time with God. It's hit or miss. It's, it's, I wouldn't say I have a consistent relationship. I would remind you that the basis of your walk with God is by faith. The gospel is received by faith. It is a walk of faith whereby the power and the righteousness of God is at work in our lives. And why this matters for you, if you're hit and miss, stop and start, is like you don't need to go back to square one, go go to start and collect $200 kind of thing. Like, you don't need to go on a probationary period to prove yourself to God. Like, I'm not going to try to walk with God until I get my act together and I clean up my life and I straighten up some things. You know how many times I've heard that? I'm not going to come to church until I start. What? That's not the nature of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's right now God promises through faith to come into your life and begin to walk with you right now. Like, you're not earning anything or meriting anything or trying to to get better to reach a level where you can walk with God. The gospel says God receives you now as you open your heart to him. You have the power of God and you have the righteousness of Christ in your life. Maybe today if I'm talking to someone who's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I want you to know that you don't need to go to six months of catechism. You don't need to come to church for three years. 
You don't need to do an exploratory study on this or that. or You don't need to... God is simply asking for you to open up your heart to him right now by faith. The nature of this walk with God is by faith. The just live by faith. The reality is so many of us don't lean into this and recognize this so much because we have tried in our own strength way too often to walk with God when really the gospel is will you just allow me to empower you and to strengthen you. We've tried to get so many things right before we start walking with God when God is saying just come to me and let me begin to make your life right. But the key is you can't miss the journey with me. I don't care where you're at. I don't care how many failures you've had. I don't care if you feel like every day is a stop and a start. Just keep leaning into me. I will begin. I remember my first, my first days of walking with God. Man, it was pathetic. It was awkward. I remember I was like, all right, I, I, I know that I want to I have a relationship with God. And I know that, like, praying is the way I talk to God and he talks to me, right? And, and reading his word is, is how I understand his will and heart for my life. And so I'm going to start doing these things because that's a relationship, right? I, I talk to my wife and I eat dinner with my wife and we, we communicate because we're in a relationship. Well, a relationship with God includes these things and, and, and coming to church and, 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 and singing his praise and spending time with other believers and uh, remembering his broken body and sh- all these things I began to do. And I remember it was so pathetic. I mean, I'd read and I'd, I didn't understand. Like, I don't know what that word is. We don't say that now. Or I, I would pray and like, I would pray for the world two times and it, I was done in three minutes. Like, I just felt like I, I didn't, I was a baby in Christ. Yet, I began to realize to just, to walk with him. I started where I was at. He met me where I was at. He didn't expect of me the ability to recite Hebrews chapter 11. Or to know, you know, theology 101. Or to be able to, you know, even these things in my life, like, I mean, you know, the, 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 the behaviors and the lifestyle that I had at that time, like, it, it wasn't like, okay, you got to clean that up, buddy, before you can walk with me and you can even pray to me. Like, I just was in the middle of it. And he met me right where I was at by faith. And you know what? I walked with him and, wow, kind of figured out how to talk to him a little bit. And I began to realize that in talking to him, as I got quiet, he would talk to me. I began to realize as I found good, you know, good places to read in Scripture that I could grab a hold of, I began to like get it a little bit more and more and more and more. The thing is, the one thing that you must do is you don't need, you cannot miss the journey. You were designed to walk with. And that walk can start wherever you're at. It continues. It's the, it's the will of God. If you've been in here and you're walking with God for 50 years, it, it's still what's tomorrow is walking with God. 
If you've never walked with God, guess what he has for your wife tomorrow? Walk with him. It's, it's his desire, it's purpose, his purpose, his plan. Would you pray with me, Father? There's probably a lot of, a lot, a lot of things that are gonna happen this year. Some things that we've worked for and planned toward. Some things that we're gonna accomplish that we've, we've spent a lot of time working toward. There's going to be a lot of unexpected things in this year that we're going to come face to face with. There's going to be just life. And we're going to try to figure it out and navigate it. But as Paul reminds us, there is one thing that we cannot miss. Is that God has designed every day of this year for us to walk with him. That's his purpose and that's his plan. And that actually when we live into this, all the other things take their rightful shape and place and we're actually able to experience life at its fullest, deepest, most meaningful, richest level. This one thing I do. Don't miss the journey. Lord, help me. Help me. And even in doing all these Christian things, these services, to not miss the walk, the journey with you. Help us, I pray. I pray these things in the strong name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have a great week. Walk with God. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, visit limacommunitychurch.com.